0: Welcome to the City Church Podcast, your home for all of the audio and sermons from City Church St. Petersburg. We meet every week at 10 a.m. at the Sundial AMC Movie Theater, 151 2nd Avenue North in beautiful downtown St. Petersburg, Florida. It's cold out there doesn't take, you know, a lot of elaboration. All of us people who have lived here in Florida uh, walked outside this morning, even if it was just to get to our cars, and we felt the real cold. As I was thinking about how cold it was this morning, I couldn't help but remember Christmas here in the Bay Area in 1989. I remember that Christmas so vividly because as I sat by my window in my bedroom and looked out into the yard where my dad's truck was parked, in a cold day like today, something began to happen. The yellow of his work truck began to fade a little bit because in 1989, there was just the slightest hint of flurries here in the Bay Area. This was a part of the Christmas storm of 1989 uh, that affected the entire Southeast. This storm uh, was so huge that it shut down in Florida because of snow, both the Orlando and Jacksonville airports. It got so cold that winter, so cold because of the Christmas storm of 89, that 30% of the uh, citrus crop in the state of Florida died out. In fact, it's, it's a little bit of a not coincidence that it was in 1989 when all of that citrus crop died out that so many citrus farmers sold their land to developers around Orlando and Tampa and led to the suburbanization of the cities of Florida as they became less agricultural and more suburban. But that's not, that's not what any of us remember. We don't remember... Citrus dying. We, we remember, if you were here in Florida in 1989, the magic and wonder that it snowed in Florida. Who would have thought? Who would have thought that such a thing could have happened? We look back on that and we have this sort of nostalgia for what it could have been, but we also are filled with the awe that it snowed here, you know, 30 years ago, but it happened maybe not in Pinellas, but at least over on the other side of the bay, it happened. And what I want us to do this morning as we gather together, and it's, it's abbreviated, I'm going to be short, I think, I promise, don't hold me to it. But what I want us to look at and think about is the wonder that is Christmas, the wonder that is the reason why we celebrate this time of year, the wonder that the God of the universe could not stay distant. He couldn't remain far away. He wouldn't let sin continue to wreck his world and wreak havoc on his people. And so he crossed an unthinkable line. He did something that was unimaginable. He stepped out of heaven and onto this earth. He stepped into a world with no central heat for nights like tonight. He stepped into a world where he lived in an arid desert climate without air conditioning. He left the throne room and all of its splendors of heaven that swarming with angels and praise going up forevermore. And he came down to a place where he very likely got the flu. Jesus stepped out of heaven and into this earth. And that's what we, ref- we reflect and think about at Christmas. That's what this is all about. But what I'm asking you to do this morning is pause and wonder to stop, to reflect on the beauty of what Jesus really has done for us. Look, I know that there are gifts to be opened. I know that there are roasts to be cooked. I know that there are squirmy kids sitting next to you who are wondering why Justin is standing up there talking so much. I know that you guys have made a sacrifice to be here this Sunday morning, but I want us to pause and let's listen to the wonder of Christmas. This morning, we're going to hear that from Isaiah chapter 9. So if you're able, I'd invite you to stand. I'm going to read Isaiah chapter 9, the first seven verses. Uh, You can follow along on the screen behind me. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulon, and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. a child is born. To us, a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of the peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. City Church, is the word of God written nearly 3,000 years ago and intended for us this morning. You may be seated. As we read this prophecy of Isaiah uh, from the 900s BC, the first thing I want you to see is the way that this is a reversal of the fortunes and fate of the people. If you've been with us over the past few weeks, this is just a little bit of a a review, but as we've looked at the book of Isaiah, what we know is that the land of Israel is in peril. The Assyrian empire is threatening to take over the land. And in fact, when we get to Isaiah 9, they have already started. By the time we come to Isaiah 9, the Assyrian empire has already taken away and burned the land of the northern two tribes of Israel. That was the Zebulon and Naphtali that we read in this passage. And so these two most northern tribes of the people of Israel have been carted off. Their land has been burned down. Their people have been killed. But Isaiah tells us that change is coming. And when Isaiah says change is coming, it's not the kind of change that you might be promising yourself is gonna start next week. You know, when we kind of start the first of the year and we go, you know, I'm gonna do things differently this year. I'm gonna throw a gym membership in the mix. I'm gonna eat better. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a, a hydro flask and drink more water. That's, that's what I'm, I'm gonna make a change. And then, you know, we don't you know, all the gym memberships spike in January, and by March 1st, it's back to business as usual, and so much of the time, so are we. Isaiah says change is coming, and it's not the kind of New Year's resolution change that we're used to. This is real, meaningful, and actual change. In fact, Isaiah is so sure of what he's saying is going to happen in the future that he writes it in the past tense. Did you catch that as we read the text? This is a passage that if you've been around the church for a while, you're probably familiar with. It's one of the big Christmas passages that probably gets read every year, whether you go to a lessons and Carols service or a church service around Christmas. This is like the Old Testament's greatest hits of Jesus. And yet it's written in the past tense. Isaiah is so sure of what's going to happen that he writes this as if it already happened has. And what he sees is a reversal, a reversal of everything that has happened to these northern tribes. See, these northern tribes had been desolated by the Assyrian empire. Their people were starving. Their people were killed. And yet what he says is that, no, 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 These are the people that will be multiplied. These are the people that are going to participate in harvest festivals. There's going to be food aplenty. There's going to be people all around. The light will dawn on these people who have experienced this great darkness. And it's no accident that he says that this is going to happen in these northern two tribes, which is the very place where Jesus did the bulk of his ministry. The place where Jesus spent most of his time teaching, healing, was in the land that was first bitten off by the Assyrian Empire. They'll be joyous. They won't dwindle in sadness. But more than that, he's going to break the chains of the oppressors. Isaiah points back to the story of Gideon from the book of Judges, because that story happened in this very same valley, in this very same area. God miraculously intervened and defeated the land of Midian, which is why Isaiah mentions it. In this very same place that God has done a miracle before, he is going to do it again. And just like there was victory for Midian, Jesus is going to come and break these chains and relieve these burdens. For all of these people, this land that has been ravished, they're going to experience a wonderful reversal. And so it is for us. For us, some of us feel it in the same way. We feel the darkness is close like they did. The sadness is near. For some of us, the oppressors are real. But one facet of the wonder of Christmas is that God steps in to undo all of that. I was thinking about this in the hymn that we sing, Joy to the World. Think about the third verse of joy to the world. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings known as far as the curse is found. Jesus coming in the flesh breaks the power of sin. It breaks the power of sin in this world. It reverses the curse that was brought on us by Adam. The oppressors will see their justice. The last tears will be wiped away. Darkness will be replaced by the eternal light of the sun. Wherever you find yourself this morning, and especially if you find yourself walking through some degree of darkness, Jesus is making all things new. This is not the end of the story. Our lives as they are right now are not our lives as they will always be. Jesus is making all things new. He is reversing every stain that sin has painted on the world and he can forgive every sin that has been branded onto our lives. But how is this gonna happen? How is this gonna happen? Isaiah says that this wonderful reversal is going to come because of a wonderful child. The reason that this is going to happen is because of Jesus. Isaiah changes the tone of the passage when he says, Unto us a son is born. Unto us a child is given. And Isaiah is being shockingly precise in the way that he uses the language there in this passage. This is a real theologically rich thing. When we say the Nicene Creed, we we hearken back to the council, the Nicene Council. Where that creed was formulated. And this passage played a part in the creation of that creed because Jesus is God's only son. He is begotten, not made. He has always existed and always will. And so, in that way, a son is given. But Jesus also chose to come as a human being, a child is born. He planned the specific moment where he would step into the world and take on flesh. And he didn't come as a fully grown man, but instead instead, he came the way that all of us come into this world, as a child with a mother. The one who will change the world in wonderful ways comes in the most humble of fashions. But as humble as his beginnings were, what he accomplished is nothing short of amazing. He's changed the course of the world. And even the names that were given in this passage show that. He is wonderful counselor. He has the wisdom of God himself. He's the hero of God's story. He is the eternal creator who stepped into creation. And he comes to end all wars and become the prince of peace. And this peace isn't just the end of wars. This peace is the idea of shalom. You may have heard this before. Uh, Maybe you have some friends uh, who, who are Jewish. Maybe you have heard this from the Old Testament before, but shalom is the very harmony of God. It's harmony between God and man. It's harmony between mankind and itself. And Jesus comes as the Prince of Peace. He's going to break down every way that we are divided so that we might live together in justice and righteousness. And the wonderful thing about all of this is that it is happening and starts with a baby in a makeshift crib. The king who will bring peace to the world is wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. The creator is being cared for by hands that he created. The fullness of God in helpless babe. The one who spoke the world into existence is barely able to utter unintelligible syllables. Beloved, this is Christmas. The wonder of a child who is God made flesh. And as we think about this story of Christmas, Isaiah says that the zeal of the Lord will accomplish it. Why zeal? It's not a word we use very often. That's not an idea we think about. In fact, for us, zeal often has negative terms. We call people zealots if they get too excited about a political cause. And yet it says here that the zeal of God is what's going to accomplish that. What is that? That is the intensity of his love for us and his love for the world that he created. God could have planned the world in any way he wanted to. And yet he chose the plan where he couldn't imagine us not being by his side. And so because we couldn't get to him, he came to us. Because we couldn't climb to him, he stepped down to us. Because he couldn't imagine a world without us, he came to be in the world with us. Emmanuel, God with us. That is Christmas. That is what Jesus has done for us. Let's pray.